us in your word. We pray that you do likewise today. That like rivers of living water your word will flow and we shall all drink of it and be satisfied in Jesus name. Praise the Lord. It's not part of the teaching but I'm led to let us know that whatever love cannot do nothing else can because God is love. Whatever love cannot do, no amount of weapons will be able to do it. Love is the greatest weapon. In line with what our daddy, Reverend Ash, uh, told us. Whatever love cannot do, nothing else can. And that was why Jesus came. When all of us were going astray, what did he do? He didn't beat us. He didn't punish us. He didn't kill us. But he saved us through love. And likewise, let us go as his children and do likewise to all who are ailing. May the Lord's name be praised in Jesus' name. And today what message do we have? The topic we have for sharing is partaking in worship celebrations unto our God. Partaking in worship celebrations unto our God. Our text is taken from the book of Exodus chapter 10, verse 9 and verse 6, 16. Verse 9 and verse 16. We are not reading it now, we will do that later. Praise the Lord. What do we do first? We will start by trying to understand the key terms or the key words in our topic. Understanding the key words in our topic. The first word I want us to look at very briefly is the word worship. Worship is every act of reverence to God. Worship is every act of reverence to God. From the time we entered this place this morning, we have been worshipping God. When you clap and your clapping is unto God, it is an act of worship. When you sing and your singing is unto God, it is an act of worship. When you dance and your dancing is unto God, it is an act of worship. These are not the only acts of worship. At the end of this uh, message, we'll be coming out here to partake in giving unto God in our offerings. When you do it with the right heart attitude, in reverence to God, your giving also constitutes part of your worship. Praise the Lord. 
As you enter here, there are ushers that usher you in. When they usher in reverence to God, the work they are doing constitute part of the worship. Every Saturday, people gather here in the morning to clean this place, to make it conducive for our service. When you come here and you diligently partake in that, you are worshipping God because it's an act of reverence. You are doing it to the glory and to the honor of God. And so worshipping is not only when you sing or dance, but every act of reverence that you render in the house of God constitutes part of your worship. Somebody who is singing unto, or who is singing in the church, but is doing it irreverentially, may not have worshipped God. But you who cleaned and cleaned reverentially unto God may have worshipped and received um, reward from God Almighty. Now what's the essence of all this? The essence of this is that we do every act of service in the church reverentially. Whatever the Lord lays in your hand to do, know that you are doing it unto God. And do it reverentially because they constitute part of your reasonable worship to God. Praise the Lord. Then we look at the second word I want us to look at is the word celebration. I define it here as celebration can be defined as a joyful occasion to mark a happy event. And now from this definition, there are a few things I want us to take note of. For you to say it's a celebration, it has to be joyful. Are we together? All of us here partake in one form of celebration or the other. Maybe in a child education, in marriages, in promotions. When any of these things happen, we celebrate. I've never been to maybe a marriage or wedding occasion and you see people frowning their face. Have you seen one? They don't frown their face because they are rejoicing over what is there happening. And that is part of what makes it a celebration. So likewise, when we come in the house of God, every of our celebrations should be joyfully marked. Praise the Lord. We also note from that definition that it is unto God. For it to be called a celebration in the house of God, it must be unto God. When it is not unto God, when it is for self-edification, when it is for the glory of man, it is not a celebration unto God. It must be unto God. And lastly, we also note that it has to be for a happy event. We celebrate over happy event. If you hear that um, a youth copper was going for a service, for instance, he had an accident and died, do you celebrate? Do you celebrate? What we do is we mourn. So it has to be for a joyful event. And the level of preparation that you make for a celebration depends on the value you attach to that celebration. The higher the value, the higher the level of celebration that you engage in. 
Let's take, for instance, these days when our children leave nursery school for primary, we go and celebrate that they are graduating. Very interesting. Also, when they leave uh, or when they graduate from the university, we also celebrate. But the truth is that the celebrations, if you look at the magnitude, they are not the same. You celebrate one higher than the other. You prepare for one more than the other. In the same vein, we celebrate as Christians. And we have the highest, the greatest reason to celebrate. And that's why our celebration should be more than what other people celebrate. I like what um, the full gospel say, uh, full gospel people. They said we are the happiest people on earth. That is not for them alone, it is for every child of God. So we have the greatest reason to celebrate, and that's why our celebration has to be higher than that of others, and it has to be continuous. If indeed we know why we are celebrating, we are going to be looking at that. But let me just give us one of the reasons why our celebration has to be a daily affair. It has to be every time. One of the things that the Lord did for us is salvation. Praise the Lord. As I was preparing for this message, one of the things that came true to me is that many of us do not appreciate the value of the salvation that the Lord has given to us. You know, there are major currencies in the world. The dollars, the euro, the pounds, the yen, and a few others. And the ministration I got was that trillions of each of these currencies have been printed and they are in circulation. Now, if you gather all the printed dollars, pounds, euro, yen, all of them, including our almighty Naira, if you gather all of them, they cannot buy one single salvation. Do you understand what I'm saying? That is why, if you look, if you, if you know those who understand their salvation, they walk as if they are walking on top of the world. Because they know that they have something that the whole world put together cannot offer. Jesus understood this. And that was why, in Matthew 4, when Satan offered him the whole world, the whole currencies, the whole minerals, gold, silver, diamond, platinum, all of them put together. Satan offered it to him. Bow down and worship me. And Jesus said no, because he knows he has more than that. Praise God. And that should be our attitude. Nothing is enough to be compared to the salvation God has given to just one person. Jesus understood this. And we ought to also understand it. And that is the reason also. Apostle Paul understood it. That was why in all his incarceration, in all his imprisonment and all the suffering and jailing and beating, the more you beat him, the more joyous he became. The epistles he wrote from the prison can be called epistles of joy. Because in Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, all these epistles 
he talks about joy and rejoicing. He understood that death cannot stop what God has already done for him. That nothing in this planet earth can be equated to the salvation that God has given him. And that ought to be our attitude. If you understand the value, the worth of the salvation of God, neither height nor depth, no amount of persecution, no amount of material things will be able to sway you. And that is the understanding I want us to live here with today by the grace of God. Appreciate the salvation that God has given you and you will stop complaining about little challenges that you have. God will give you the grace. If some of us were to be in the position of Apostle Paul, we will write books of lamentation. Lamentation 2 and 3. We will all write second lamentation. Tell, but that was not his attitude. Rather than books of lamentation, he was writing books of joy. Rejoice in the Lord. And once again I say rejoice. From prison. Not from the palace. Praise the Lord. So that is what we come here to celebrate every Sunday. That is what we celebrate every day of our lives in our offices, in our homes, as we move on the road. We celebrate what the Lord has done for us. Praise the Lord. What then is a worship celebration? Worship celebration can then be said to mean every occasion in which we rejoice unto God in reverence. Keywords there. We rejoice. Secondly, our rejoicing is unto God. And thirdly, it has to be done in reverence. All these things make up worship celebration unto God. Our definition is in context of what we are discussing. There are people who worship other things. But we are talking of worship unto God. Praise the Lord. Again we say the things that mark our celebration, Christian celebration, is that it goes with rejoicing. And our rejoicing is unto God. And that we do reverentially. Praise the Lord. Now, the next thing we look at is where can we celebrate God in our worship? In the Old Testament, if you check out the word worship, they worship God every time the Lord appears to them. When he appeared uh, to Abraham, to Moses, each time the Lord appeared to them, they will worship him. Another place where they worship God are at designated places where the Lord specifically instructed them to worship him. Now you ask, why is it that they only worship God in these designated places? Because worship can only take place where the Spirit of God is. They are not as fortunate as we are now, where we are carriers of the Spirit of God. In those times and days, it comes upon a few, specific, uh, a few individuals in the Bible, and other times, the Spirit of God is in the sanctuary, designated areas. So you wait until you are in those designated areas because you cannot worship 
outside where the Spirit of God is dwelling. Are we together? Praise the Lord. Now we come to our time. We are now carriers of the Spirit of God. And that's why Apostle Paul writing said to the Corinthians, Know you not that your body is a temple of the Spirit of God, of the Holy Spirit. So that spirit that they go to designated areas to worship in the time past is what is dwelling inside every believer. Praise the Lord. And so how then does it affect our worship pattern compared to that of uh, the Israelites before the advent or the coming of the Holy Spirit? How does our own mood of worship, differ, uh, you know, differ from theirs? Like I said, they worship God only where the Spirit of God dwells. In our own, the Spirit of God is dwelling in us. And that is why, as you are in your home, you worship God there. As you are driving or you are on the street, you are worshiping God because the Spirit of God is right there with you. As you move to your place of work, you also worship God. Because the Spirit of God is also there with you where you are walking. So we are no longer limited like they were when they only go to specified areas. In fact, the truth is that in those days, if you worship outside those specified areas, your worship does not ascend unto Him because the Spirit is not dwelling there. And as you read the book of Kings, if you read the account of Jeroboam and Rehoboam, when the kingdom of Israel was divided, about ten of them, Jeroboam was heading, while Benjamin and Judah, Rehoboam the son of Solomon, was in charge. Jeroboam, for fear that when the people go to Jerusalem, they will be, you know, they, they will turn their allegiance to Rehoboam, the son of uh, Solomon, decided to build worship centers other than the one approved of God. And God found that sinful. It was not allowed for you to just worship God anywhere. You worship only at the places he has designated. And these are the places where his spirit uh, dwelt. Praise the Lord. So, for us now, you can worship God anywhere. But we must not neglect the gathering together of the people of God. For as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens eh, another. So, though we have the spirit and we can worship anywhere, but there is still need for corporate worship. So, I encourage us never to neglect the worshiping together with other brethren. Now we look at another thing, and that is, uh, who can worship God? Praise the Lord. Who can worship God? Can we turn our Bible to Psalm 150, just verse 6 alone? Psalm 150, verse 6. Are we there? Can we all read that verse all together? Let everything that has bread praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 
from this verse of the scripture, the desire of the Lord is that every human being should worship him. He said, let everything that has breath in him do what? Praise the Lord. That's his desire. In reality, a lot of people praise and worship God. However, not all these people who praise and worship God are their worships accepted before God. Praise the Lord. So what will make our worship acceptable unto God? Turn with me to John chapter 4 verse 24. Part of the gospel that we read this morning. John 4:24. John 4.24 Are we there? John 4.24 said, God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and there in truth. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now let me try to analyze uh, this profound statement that Jesus made here. He said that only those who have the Spirit of God can worship Him in line with what we saw earlier. That God can only be worshipped where His Spirit uh, dwells. So those who have the Spirit of God are those who are qualified to worship him. And how do you get the spirit of God? You get the spirit of God by being redeemed. And how do you get redeemed? You get redeemed by accepting Jesus Christ as the Lord, as your Lord and personal Savior. It's a sequence and you cannot bypass it. So for you to worship God, you have to first of all receive Christ. And when you receive Christ, the Spirit of God comes in. And when the Spirit of God comes in, then can you offer an acceptable worship unto God. And that's what that statement is saying. You may have been attending church for the past 50 years. You dance. You clap, you give, you walk, but you do not yet have the Spirit of God in you. I'm sorry to tell you, you have been worshipping God, but you have not been worshipping Him aright. For it takes only the Spirit of God for you to be able to worship God aright. And that's why if you go to Isaiah 51, verse 7, it says, Therefore, that you the redeemed of the Lord shall return, return with singing unto Zion, and everlasting joy shall be upon their head. It is only the redeemed of the Lord that can worship God and worship Him aright. You know, Cain and Abel went 
to worship God with their sacrifice. Cain came with his offering. And Abel came with his offering. We know the account in Genesis 4. And the Lord recorded that Cain was rejected and then his offering rejected also. See the sequence. It is Cain before the offering, not the other way around. And when he came to Abel, he said, Abel was accepted and then his offering was also accepted. There's a sequence. It is you the offerer, the person who is making the offering that makes your offering acceptable or not. It is you, the worshiper, that makes your worship acceptable or not. When you are right before God, when you have the right heart, when you come before Him reverentially with the right heart, you are accepted before your worship. Cain was rejected before his offering was rejected. I, I went to there's a place I went with my brother, Pastor Kanai. I was speaking to some of the Anglican priests there. And I told them, some of you are saying your, your, your local churches are not doing well. Let me tell you one of the reasons. One of the reasons is that you accept givings from the wrong places. The Bible tells us that if what is unholy touches what is holy, all of them becomes unholy. You cannot go to just anybody and receive offering from them and you want what you're doing in the villages there to prosper. No. If the giver is acceptable unto God, then the gift of his hand will be acceptable. And that reminds me, as we come before God in celebration next Sunday, I urge us, Make sure that you come with your heart, first of all, pre prepared, so that when your heart is acceptable before God, whatever you are coming with will also be acceptable. If you like, give the highest amount of money here. If you are not acceptable before God, we will accept it and use it and do our work, but no blessing will come unto you. Because God will say to you, just like He said to to Cain. Go and amend your hearts. And that was why Jesus speaking to them in that Matthew 7. These were people worshipping God with their gift, with their talent and before them, you know, in their own sight, they will read themselves to have done very well. But in the last day, God said, depart from me ye workers of iniquity, for I know you not. Why? They worship God right, quite alright. Like I say, many worship. But for your worship to be acceptable, your heart has to be right before God. God has to first of all accept you before accepting what is in your hand. Does God delight in our giving Him bountiful sacrifice? Yes, He does. If you look at the life of Solomon in the Bible, God was thoroughly pleased when He did a thousand bond offering. But it was not the bond of, thousand bond offering first. It was the heart of Solomon first. God accepted his heart and then the a thousand bond offering. May the Lord help each and every one of us in this regard in Jesus name. 
So it is only the redeemed of the Lord that can worship God aright. So if you are not redeemed, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, when the altar call is made today, please don't miss out. So that going forward, your worship will be right before God. Having said this, we look at the next scene. How do we celebrate unto God in worship? Like I said, next Sunday we'll be coming out here. We need to get it right. Because I perceive in my spirit that it's going to be a high Sunday. It's going to be a Sunday filled with the presence of God. God will meet us in a very mighty way. But we need to prepare ourselves so that we get it right before him. Praise the Lord. So the first thing, like we have already said in passing, is that we need to prepare our hearts. We need to prepare our heart because if our heart is not prepared, every other thing we are going to say here, we will not get it right. Jesus said concerning our offering that when you come before the altar of the Lord to make your offering and you remember that your brother, your sister has an oath against you, he said, go, drop your offering by the altar, go and be reconciled with him, then come and give your offering. Are you here? And you're having us with your brothers, your sisters, your relatives, whoever, your colleagues in the office. The anger, the grievance is still there. You've not reconciled with them. You have not made any attempt or effort to reconcile with them. And you are dancing, remember, coming to offer. The Lord said, drop it, go. And do the first things first. There is an order. You don't worship God the way you want to. You worship him the way he wants to be worshipped. Praise the Lord. So we must prepare our hearts. And if you have not received Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, that is the starting point. When we have done this, then other things can follow. What are the other things that will follow? We celebrate before God in laughter, in dancing, in singing, in rejoicing, and in making of joyful noise unto Him. That's another way to come before the Lord. As I was preparing, God said I should tell some of us, maybe one or two, I don't know the number, that we do not partake in worshipping him. You come here, when they clap, you're a big boy. When they dance, you don't partake in dancing. When we laugh, you're not part of it. But if it is outside, you do all these things plus Jara. And as if this is not bad enough, you go ahead and ridicule those who partake in them. He is is unto God, not unto you. His dancing and his rejoicing is unto Lord. His uh, laughter is unto God Almighty and not unto you. 
If you go to First Samuel, the Lord continues in his warning. Second Samuel, uh, Second Samuel chapter 6 verse 20 to 23. We will not read it. I will just prefer, uh, you know, tell you what the scripture is saying there concerning the warning. In case you are a victim, I know that many of us, some of us here, will rejoice before the Lord. It was when they brought the ark of the Lord and David was rejoicing extravagantly. And the wife, the daughter of Michal, the, the daughter of Saul, when David came back, decided to ridicule him for dancing before his God. And what happened? Michal became the only woman of Israel recorded in the Bible that died barren. It's not a light thing before the Lord that you do not rejoice before him and you ridicule those who rejoice before him. If you have been involved in this, cease from it today. Now you know that the Lord does not take it lightly. Praise the Lord. We celebrate God with all our loved ones. Let's look at our text now. Exodus 10 verse 9. Praise the Lord. Are we there? Exodus chapter 10 verse 9 says, And Moses said, We will go with our young and our old, with our sons and with our daughters, with our flocks and our hairs, we will with our flocks and our hairs we will go. We must hold a feast to the Lord. Praise the Lord. When we come for worship celebration, the Lord expects that we come with members of our family. Imagine what would have happened if Moses had said, no, let's leave the suckling babes and their mothers. Let's leave the elderly in Egypt. Let only the able ones be the ones that we go and celebrate before the Lord. What do you think will happen? The Israelites will make a mincemeat of all of them. Is it not so? So the Lord expects that when we celebrate, we come with our loved ones, just like we'll be doing next Sunday. And when the Lord said, invite your loved ones, many of us don't. Some have not even invited one person. Week in, week out, we've been singing it like broken record. It doesn't touch you. You are disobeying God. The Lord expects that you come. How will they know God when they have not heard about him? Do you know that some people you have been praying for, talking to, to give their lives... Those one visits in celebration mood can win them over. All your talkings, all your effort and prayers, you'll find out that just one visit in a worship celebration can make all the difference. So I encourage us as we come for worship celebration, let's come with our loved ones. Who amongst us here is it that when he's doing his birthday does not invite his loved ones? Who amongst us here that when he's wedding does not invite his loved ones? How come that when we do what is celebration, 
event that is above every other event, we fail to invite our loved ones. May the Lord speak to us in the language we will understand in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. How else do we come before the Lord? Let's again turn our Bible to the same Exodus 20, uh, chapter 10, verse 26. We will still we'll get some of the other things that the Lord requires of us to do. Praise the Lord. Are we all there? And Moses said, Our livestock also shall go with us. Not a hoof shall be left behind. For we must take some of them to serve the Lord our God. And even, and even we do not know with what we must serve the Lord until we arrive there, there. Praise the Lord. What is Moses saying here? When we celebrate unto God, we come before him with part of what he has used to bless us. Moses said, we are taking this livestock so that we will take part of it and sacrifice unto God. If any of us is doing a function here, you are inviting uh, maybe the governor or the president to be part of it. You will go and choi- look for choice uh, wine. You will invite the highest cook in the town, even when the president will, may not even test any of those things. That you will do to satisfy a mere mortal. When we come to celebrate before God, we should even get far more prepared than we do when we host any of these human dignitaries. But is that the way we have been celebrating before him? No. Let me assume that we are doing it in ignorance. But let it change. That when we come before the Lord, we will come our best. You cannot go to certain government Related functions, dressed anyhow, not on gene, not, but when we come before the Lord, it doesn't matter. As your old schoolmate, God is your old schoolmate. So you can talk anyhow, dress anyhow, do, behave anyhow you like. No, it ought not to be so. Praise the Lord. When we come before the Lord in celebration, we will come our best. In our dressing, in what we offer to Him, Nothing blemish. Obolun ineji buye governor efi iya chonke ngwaranto porezioku. You will look for the best efi and the biggest. I remember when we were in the bank, when we are going to maybe for a condolence to any of our big customer, we look for the biggest cow. Two hundred thousand in those days to go and give to governor or give to a senator, or any other highly placed member of the society who is bereaved. But when we come before the Lord, we look for remainder theory. It ought not to be so. May the Lord help us to change this day in Jesus' name. Are we together? Praise the Lord.
one more thing and then we begin to pray. Why do we partake in worship celebrations? Why is it necessary? These things that I've been talking, why must we partake in it as a child of God? Number one, we have already shared this because of the salvation that the Lord has given us. If, if you have received salvation from God, there is no greater gift. There is no greater gift. Like we said, all the things in the world put together cannot buy. I'm not talking of two souls, one. They are too infinitesimal compared to the value of one soul. Because as Apostle Paul put it, all the things you see, they are fire consumable. The best of houses, the best of cars, aeroplane, sheep, whatever, all the money, they are stored up for what? For fire. But we have gift that is imperishable. And that is what we come to celebrate in every worship celebration. The second reason is that we are carriers of the Spirit of God. You know, some of us caring parents, you put your children in very good school. But you don't just stop there. These days you get them special uh, teachers to help them, to coach them because you want them to come out the best. That's exactly what God has done for us in giving us the Spirit, His Holy Spirit. He didn't just save us. He also gave us the Spirit. Jesus said to His disciple, if you care, you can turn with me to the book of John 16 verse 13. Let's hear the word of the Master. Praise the Lord. Let's start from uh, 12. He said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, well, whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. God did not only save us, but he gave us his Spirit. With the intent, with the purpose that His Spirit will lead us into all truth. And that's another reason why we need to be celebrating before God all the time. Because of the presence of His Spirit in us. His Spirit teaches us. His Spirit guides us. His Spirit directs us. If you are obedient to His Spirit, we will surely Complete this race successfully. Praise the Lord. So this is another reason. The third reason why we celebrate before God is that He has given us His words to illuminate our paths. If you turn to Psalm 119 alone, you will see at least three things that the Word of God does in our lives. In Psalm 119 verse 9, verse 11 and 105 as well, in 105, for as I said, his word is a lamp unto our foot and a light unto our path. And in Psalm 119, verse 11, he says, Your word have I hidden in my heart, that I may not uh, sin against you. And in verse 9, he said, How can a, 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 a young man make his way right? By taking heed to the word of God. These are the things that the word of God do in our life. And Jesus speaking to his disciples said, You are now clean. Because of my word that you have received. 
His word is a cleanser. His word is a purifier. His word is an enlightener. It brightens. It shines on our path. His word guides us. And that's why in, in, in John chapter 1 verse 1, it's saying the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. God equated his word to himself. And sometimes we tell, oh, we want to increase our knowledge of God. In knowing God, increase in the word of God and you increase in knowing God. If you want to be closer, draw closer to God, draw closer to his word. If you want to know the will of God, draw closer to his word. And these things that the Lord has given us to make sure that none of us misses the, the mark. And that is why we need to celebrate before the Lord always. And he has given us his Holy Spirit. So we don't have excuse that we cannot celebrate because his spirit is always in us, wherever we are. And finally, but that is not all, but just the few that I have, uh, I have chosen for the purpose of our meeting, the peace. In John 16, 33, he said, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth. He said, in, in, in me you will have peace. In world you will have what? tribulation. But he said, cheer up, rejoice, because I have overcome the world. So this is one of the reasons why we, we rejoice before the Lord. In the midst of the turbulence that we see in the world we are living in, and mind you, it's not only Nigeria. Do not allow anybody to deceive you. It is all over. And if the word of God is anything to go by, it will continue to increase. Because he said, in the last days, because evil shall increase, the love of many shall do what? Once cold. But one assurance we have is that as long as we remain in the Lord, His peace will be with us. Was Boko Haram, Fulani Hesmen, or any other group is doing is not enough to move every true believer. Because the peace of God he has already... He didn't say he will give to us. He has given us his peace. He knew that a time like this will come. When the love of many shall wax God. God knew about it. Because nothing takes him by surprise. And so he has gone ahead of us. To release his peace. Unto every believer. May the peace of God. Garrison our heart all. In Jesus mighty name we pray. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You cannot worship God Almighty except you have the spirit of God in you. You cannot have the spirit of God in you unless you are saved. You cannot be saved Unless you have yielded your life, body, soul, spirit, your intellect, your emotion, everything about you need to be yielded to Christ. When it is completely yielded, his spirit will come. And when his spirit comes inside you, he will enable you to worship him aright. Do you want to start worshiping God aright from today if you have not been? The first step. Is to surrender your life to Jesus. It is only when you do this that the Spirit will come. And then you can begin to worship God aright with other believers. 
with the host of angels and the 24 elders. But first things first, God cannot break his rule because of any man. Are you saved? Are you washed in the blood of Christ? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that has gone forth. And you told us in your word that when your word goes forth, it must accomplish the purpose for which you sent it forth. I thank you, Lord, because you have caused us to receive your word with thanksgiving. And we pray that the purpose for which you send forth your word to us this morning will be accomplished in the life of each and every one of us. In Jesus' mighty name we are praying. Lord, that we